Money Sense, bringing an informed financial perspective to the Cayman community. A very good morning and warm welcome to Money Sense. I'm Simon Cordry, and I have the pleasure of hosting this morning's show. For today's show, we are delighted to be joined live in the studio by the Minister of Commerce, Planning and Infrastructure, Minister Hugh. Thank you very much for joining us. Good morning, everyone. And Simon, yes, thank you so much for inviting me and, and having me on this early Thursday morning. <laughs> yes, uh, 7.30 is not my favourite time of the day either, but uh, it is when people are on their way to work. So we are very pleased to have an audience and uh, to have a discussion with you about something which is, I think, top of everyone's mind at the moment, which is the future of Cayman in some respects, because we've gone through this unprecedented period of time where we've had... Um, time to reflect in some respects. We've had time alone. We've not had the hordes of tourists visiting us. And I suppose there's this nostalgic look that people have, which is, why can't Cayman be as it was 20, 30 years ago? And how do we make Cayman that sort of rose-tinted view? How do we make that in the future? And so you know, what is the future for Cayman? And, and that really, as the Minister of Infrastructure, Transport and, and Commerce, I guess that's, that's, that's within your remit to sort of have those visions, have those views. And so Perhaps if I may start off with the, f- the first question for you, which is, what, what is your vision as to where Cayman goes and how, and how it gets there? Thank you. That's a loaded question, <laughs> uh, first thing in the morning. Uh, we, you know, there's so much has changed. And, and, and as you said, the, I think the shelter in place time during the pandemic allowed uh, people to sit and reflect quite a bit. And we saw uh, the changes in, in the environment. We saw the changes in people's attitudes, the changes in our behaviors. Um, we all probably learned a lot of personal lessons about ourselves after having three months at home. And about uh, those we live with. And those we live with, uh, <laughs> reflecting on those. So, you know, this is, it, it, I, I recognize that very early and, and we were quite active um, as a government during the, the, the shelter in place period. But recognizing that, that you know, people were, were being creative in their thoughts. Uh, business people had to be creative in, in how do I prepare to reopen? How, how am I going to keep my business open? How am I going to recover from this? Uh, parents, we had to be creative on uh, as to how do we manage this uh, homeschooling? Um, how do we keep our kids busy uh, whilst uh, abiding by the law, you know, so that they're not sitting on the couch all day on, on the Xbox or on, on the computer? Um, there were just a, a, a lot of, of opportunity for us to, re- to reflect, to see uh, individually in our own lives or as a country, um, what have we been doing right, mm-hmm. uh, what have we been doing wrong, and, and how do we change that? And um, I, I created a, a small advisory group uh, myself, called, and we got termed as the SEAC, the Strategic Economic Advisory um, Committee. Um, just to do that, to reach out to the, to the private sector to, to get their feedback. And we, and we created uh, five economic advisory councils, and they spent several weeks um, brainstorming, uh, listing ideas. Um, we got hundreds and hundreds of, of thoughts, and we narrowed those down to about four from each economic sector that we felt that, that government could achieve, and certainly within my ministry and, and, um, and others we could achieve once they fell in line with the government objectives, of course. And um, it was interesting. Um, you know, as you said, there was a lot of nostalgia, but I think overall everyone recognized that we just need to find a way to have our economic desires and our, and our social desires to coexist. And um, so there, were, there was, you know, a lot of talk surrounding um, 
connectivity. Obviously, there were you know people were at home fighting over bandwidth within your own home, um, and then as a country, we were fighting over bandwidth. Um, some of these issues, um, the, the business sector responded saying that, you know, whilst it, it, we managed, it was not perfect. There were a lot of, of, of issues. Uh, government, um, again, you know, we're, we're always knew that we had certain areas that we had to improve in our online services um, and, and our ability to deal with our customers without them coming into the physical plant. And uh, that actually saw... A, a, persons becoming creative and, and, and becoming a bit more um, uh, urgent in that work. And we saw a lot of good things come out of that as well. And I think this, the, the, the private sector reported the same. They found the kinks within their own yep. IT services and, and, and how do we do this. And, and a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of information started to flow about how do we prepare for the next uh, pandemic or the next disaster and how do we make Cayman and we termed it in, in our little group um, we termed it Cayman 2.0 mm-hmm. what is Cayman 2.0 how, how do we make Cayman bigger stronger better um, and allow the environment the people and the economy to coexist um, harmoniously I think it's I think one thing that's worth pointing out that we can all we can all criticize where we are and the things that we don't like it's easy to do that but it's also worth bearing in mind that a lot of the criticism stems from success which yes. is people say oh our bandwidth is used up but that's because of the number of people yes. here people say the roads are so busy that's because of the number of people who want to come here who want to live and work here because of the environment that we have here so there it is predicated on success and those the rose tinted attitude is it was when it was quieter and not as economically successful. So you mentioned that the, the fusing of the economic and the social wants. So, so this is so you know if we if we look back um, to what was the last major event for us, it was the it was the the global recession in 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 two thousand six seven eight mm-hmm. around that time, and you know Cayman was not immune to that. Um, we were struggling here. The country's finances were not in good shape. Um, businesses were failing left, right, and center. Um, we saw a plummet in tourism. We saw a plummet in, in, in development, which is a, is a sub-industry from both, uh, and as far as I'm concerned, from both the, the financial services and tourism. As each one grows, you need more buildings, mm-hmm. more, ro- more offices, more hotel rooms. Um, and so we, you know, a lot of focus in, in, in the early two, in 2012, 13, 14, 15 was how do we grow the country? How do we how do we get back to the numbers that we used to enjoy? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we get back to the numbers that can sustain our wonderful restaurants that are developed to entertain and 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 to host business people and tourists and locals alike? I remember the frustration um, of not being able to get into yeah. my favorite restaurant because there are so many other people there. <laughs> Crikey, I come here all the time. And then uh, you know how do we get back? I remember two thousand and thirteen when we got elected and and I was in the Ministry of Tourism with with Honourable Deputy Premier. We spent the first several months down at the cruise port listening to the tour operators and the taxi operators and we were down to 1.2 million cruise visitors and the complaints I'm losing my home I'm losing my bus I'm losing you know how do we get cruise tourism back because a, a lot of us forget that cruise tourism was um, at one point at its peak was at about 1.9 million before so how do we you know so we had to satisfy that and we started to grow it and 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 it and there were several factors that 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 uh, assisted in growing those numbers back and then stay over tourists um equally uh you know we 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 saw hotels several of our hotels 
um, go into re- into receivership and 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 thankfully uh, persons saw the destination for what it was and and they were none of them really closed other than the Margaritaville what is now the Margaritaville but back then it was a treasure island um, and they were purchased and and they were you know we saw remodeling and refurnishing of of, of these hotels and then our stayover tourism grew from you know around 325 350 to almost 500,000 just around 500,000 last year um so yeah those are the the results of that uh, the, the successes brings the you know what happens and when, when when we see the traffic increase when we see you can't get into your favorite restaurant but the fact is is that without that your favorite mm-hmm. restaurant may not survive exactly. so it's a balance yeah. um and financial service is the same thing you know we 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 we've, we've face so many external um, challenges uh, with financial services, but yet um, as a sophistic- sophisticated jurisdiction that we are, we've continued to see growth in that area and we've continued to manage that. So I think, you know, the, the shelter in place, the pandemic, COVID-19 gave us an opportunity to take a step back now after a rapid period of growth to say, okay, exhale. Um, how do we how do we manage this going forward? And um, it was no surprise that out of the exercise, um, you know, focus on training Caymanians was was a huge thing. How do we how do we identify the the future of Cayman? Is it tech? Is it um, is, is it in the financial services and what areas of the financial services? We know that uh, regulations are not going to go 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 away, so we're always going to need people. Um, uh, in, in that industry, as we see the the um, you're not going to talk about compliance, are you? Compliance, <laughs> the need for compliance growing. That is that's just a growing sector. Um, we we also see that that tourism is changing. It's evolving. We see we saw one or two um, bed and breakfasts pop up over the years. Caymanians taking advantage of 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 our tourism and how that has evolved into such a sophisticated. Um, uh, uh, opportunity for us or, or as a destination it not, it's not just you you know you book an all-inclusive and you go sit in there for a week Cayman is as they used to promote what is your Cayman kind Cayman is a, a, a vacation that you can design to suit yourself whether you know whether you want the nightlife and the restaurants or you want the quiet of the eastern district and or moving between the two for the week so um, there was no surprise that that you know uh, training of Caymanians in in those sectors were highlighted traffic was highlighted um, and I shouldn't say traffic, I should say public transport was highlighted. I, I, don't, I don't look at traffic as a challenge, I look at public, I look at the challenge as public transport. How do we move the people in an efficient manner? Um, and connectivity, obviously, um, you've seen a lot of stuff in the press. We've been focusing on, um, you know, is there a need for a third submarine cable into the country? And then how should we do that? Should that be in partnership with one of the providers or, or another provider? Should that be similar to our airport and our seaport? Should that be controlled by the government, the landing of that, that cable, and then allow the private sector to take it from there? Um, these are the, the things that were identified as, as potential, even potential security risks as far as not controlling our, our um, uh, fiber optic cable coming into the country, or having uh, the redundancy that we require and the security that we require as a country and as, as, as a financial center. Um, so those were, those were, you know, some of the highlights. And then, of course, environment always plays a huge role. Whenever we talk about our future, we got to talk about the environment because that's what the tourists come here for. They come, we saw the... We saw the evolution of the beach. Mm-hmm. Once people weren't allowed on it for a couple of weeks, 
you saw the pictures of starfish popping up in Seven Mile Beach and wildlife everywhere. And, yeah, um, and, and record almost record numbers of uh, turtles hatching at the moment. Record well, numbers of tur- turtles hatching. And even in, in, in my in my backyard where I walk, I take my dog on uh, for walks in the in the dike roads. I just saw so much more <laughs> during that time. I saw so much more um, uh, wildlife with, within the dike. So, and, and you could hear the wildlife because there were no cars and, and there, there, was no no, cars. there was no movement. There were airplanes flying over. Yeah. So that's. I, I don't think we all want to go back to that because we need to make a living and we, and <laughs> we we need to survive. But we 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 certainly want to see a balance, and it's a balance between the environment, the people, and 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 the economy. So. Um, so yeah, that's 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 where I see the futures. We you know we are, and we can talk about a little bit addressing the the ability to move people around the country. Um, how do we uh, how do we grow as a country economically while preserving our environment? Um, how do we develop the infrastructure to be this uh, this this world class financial center? And tourism destination that 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 we aspire to be and and are very and certainly claim to be. Um, how do we do that all um, and and have it all coexist? Well, you mentioned something, and I, I'll pick up on one of those as a starting point. You mentioned infrastructure in IT, computer infrastructure, and I think there were there, there were frustrations all around the world. So I don't think Cayman was unique no, in this. People had frustrations because they realised didn't have enough bandwidth at home. They didn't have enough bandwidth, perhaps in the country, the infrastructure of the country that they were operating in wasn't ideal. And Cayman was not immune to that. But there were particular frustrations that people had here, which is all of the traffic routes to the Miami and then comes back to Cayman, mm-hmm. even though everything's domestically concentrated. Prices of internet providers are 10 times anywhere else in the world here. There's no competition. So how would how, what's your view on how we get out of this problem? Because the world is only moving, becoming more and more technology oriented. Whether yeah. we go to the office or work from home, technology is the center of everything that we we need and use. And yet, we seem to be a little bit stuck in a basically a duopoly here with, yeah. of technology. You, you, you. I think to understand where we are and where we're going, we have to we have to recognize where we came from, and the the, the digital infrastructure, the or the communications infrastructure, um, in in such a young country as ours, and such a and such a, a, a young um, economy, we remember that. Uh, we had no communication. In fact, my father came to the island. He was a wireless operator um, uh, here in Grand Cayman, so we were using Morse code or telex. Um, and, and I remember listening to, um, I think it was Mr. Bill Walk in his retirement speech many, many years ago, talking about how the financial services started and, and where they had visited Bermuda and they'd visited Bahamas. But when they came to the Cayman Islands, the people were so welcoming and they worked along with 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 notable persons like Mr. Arthur Hunter and others, and how they had to fly to the UK to to beg cable and wireless to to come and 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 um, and provide uh, telephone service and telex service and that sort of stuff, so that they could be in touch with the rest of the world and develop. And that was a foundation of developing our financial services mm-hmm. was that connectivity. And so we've always, you know, from the, from day one, cable and wireless came in. They put in the infrastructure. They they did everything to help us grow to get to the point where we were uh, 20 years ago when we talk about the liberalization of the of the telecom industry. And of course, the telecom industry has, has changed tremendously since that. So we, we have to recognize that they were there. They were part of the foundation of building the country. And then how do we evolve now in a partnership um, 
with them and others into where we need to be. And, and like you said, to from a security perspective, in fact, um, why, are, why, why are we going from here to the exchange in Florida and back to Cayman? Uh, who controls that? Who's seen that? Well, there's all sorts um, of data protection all issues, aren't there? All sorts of data protection issues. Uh, the cost, obviously. Um, so I- immediately, as a as, as the government um, and my ministry is responsible for, and I have to make this clear, the, the Ministry of Commerce Plan and Infrastructure has responsibility for government policy, um, but the the regulatory authority off reg doesn't fall under the ministry. But what we can do is provide policy as a government, and that's that's what our ministry does. And we have have recently um, uh, issued um, policy directives to off reg to continue the the. Um, they, they work towards the liberalization of the, of the industry entirely because we are still, um, you know, we still have one, one of, the, of the providers controlling the landing station, the subsea landing station. Perhaps coincidentally, the same one who doesn't think we need another one. <laughs> coincidentally. Um, the local exchange, as you just yeah. talked about, why is it that our phone calls and everything has to go overseas and come back, and why don't we have a local exchange? And shared infrastructure is a major issue. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if prices are going to come down, shared infrastructure, not just the landing station, um, but you know the, the 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 trenches, the poles, everything. I mean, yeah, these yeah. are you don't need are, three providers putting up their own poles to be able to relay right. stuff. There's yeah, and, there's and, economies and of scale. There's in econ- but th- there's a huge role that the that the regulatory authority plays in this as well. So let's not all let's not point fingers at the the service providers because they have been here. They put up the money in the beginning to build all of this infrastructure. They've done it when nobody else was interested. Um, but now we've moved on from that, and, and it's up to the regulatory authority off-reg to, to find a solution that works for everyone. Um, uh, you know, the last thing we want to do is end up where we end up with just one service provider mm-hmm. again. So we have to be very, I mean, there's, it's, there's a, a, a method to this and not just saying, okay, you have to give everybody access to this. And, and so we are, I know that they, they, under the new um, director, they're working uh, towards that, um, they're getting the necessary expertise. It's not as easy as you know you and I sitting down and chatting with 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 the service providers and say, okay, why don't you do this and you do that. There's you know when it comes to regulations and and you you need a certain level of expertise, which I I know that they are working and in 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 that they are moving towards um, in that area so that they have the ability to to properly. Um, negotiate the terms between the different service providers, and then of course, we formed a, as one of the, the the top items coming out of the Strategic Economic Advisory Committee was um, the need for uh, redundancy, uh, lower cost, mm-hmm. security, um, and those. Things. So we 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 quickly formed a committee. Um, to look at, and, and the cabinet off issued a, through my office, issued a, a directive to form a committee to look at the the possibility of another subsea cable coming into the country. And that is well on its way. The committee worked through throughout the, um, the shelter-in-place period. Uh, they just recently had a request for information, which they received a, a lot of feedback on. And over the next couple of weeks, they'll be having uh, roundtable discussions with those persons who submitted the RFIs. And then we'll have a a recommendation come to the cabinet on how we move forward 
in if we need another subsea cable and how do we achieve that. Fair enough. We need to take a very short break, I'm being told by my producer, so we're just going to take that and then we'll come back and uh, talk about other areas of infrastructure if we can. This is Money Sense, bringing an informed financial perspective to the Cayman community. Brought to you by the CFA Society Cayman Islands. And now, more Money Sense. Welcome back to Money Sense this morning and our conversation with Minister Hugh on the subject of Cayman's future and its infrastructure and how it and when it will be improved. Before the break, we talked on digital infrastructure. Uh, we've got about eight or nine minutes now, and I think probably the best thing to do is to um, move the conversation slightly and talk about the physical infrastructure. And probably top of mind for a lot of people is the road network, about the transport network. So you, you you mentioned in your introductory remarks that there's a there's a there's a policy approach being looked at from from the perspective of public transport because people think oh there's too many cars but you can't just well you could I suppose you could ban cars you could do what Bermuda does you could go mm-hmm. down that path so tell me about some of the policy thinking that you're coming up with so we we first of all I I want to establish and uh, that my views and and. It, and it is a cultural change that we've had to approach, and, and I'm getting the support of the National Roads Authority, is that roads are for the movement of people. And whether those people are moving... You by, mean as opposed to the movement of cars? As, as opposed okay. to the movement of cars. Okay. Um, so our roads, not very long ago, certainly within the century, were sand, dirt lanes yeah. that were traversed by sometimes bicycles, uh, donkeys, horses. Um, those were the roads. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, as many people say, that a lot of our roads in, in Cayman today were actually um, paths, footpaths developed by persons and by, by the livestock that would walk from one district to the next sort of thing, roaming. So we've evolved now to where we have these major roads. And, and, and a lot of people believe that, OK, these and, and I, I will say that NRA in the past built their roads specifically for cars. Mm-hmm. And that is the issue that we're facing uh, very much uh, right now. But the roads, you know, people, I, I had one person and we talked about the um, Charles, the, the shared lanes or for the bicycles that we see going up now. And I have received a lot of positive feedback. I have I have noticed or observed drivers now moving into to go over that green um, uh, signage when they see a cyclist. So giving them enough space where it, previously you didn't even think about it. But the the idea that the roads are just for cars and someone said to me, you know, my licensing pays for the roads. And I said to them, no, I said, you know, if we take all of the revenue from the Department of Vehicle and Driver's License, we might be able to pave one mile of road. I said, you know, you are licensing your vehicle for the privilege of having that big vehicle on the road. That is, that's what that licensing is for. And I said, but the roads are built for the movement of people, whether you're on foot, whether you're on bicycle or whether you're in a car or in a bus. So we have to recognize that. And that's, you know, when we talk about the movement of people, traffic, we have to recognize that we have to come away from every person driving a car into town mm-hmm. or going to wherever they're going. So recognizing that, we we are working on our new roads. We look at doing what we call the complete streets, which, which, show, which has lanes for the vehicles, um, separate area for pedestrians and then bike lanes. And where we do not have the space, which is a major issue, um, we do what we call shared streets. So where the, whether you have to share the, the, the street with the bicycle or pedestrians and bicyclists have to share a lane that we have a line down the middle, one is for bikes and one is for pedestrians. Whatever we have to do, it, it's called a shared, the, the philosophy is it's a shared street. A lot of people, and, though, when they say there's not enough room for bicycles, I, 
I, re- I sort of spent a lot of my life in London and half the streets in London now have bike lanes and, um, and that's some of the narrowest roads in the world and exactly. France, yeah. Paris has exactly yeah. the same thing. So it's always possible to make the room for we them. Just, we just have to recognize that they have the equal rights as mm. we do on the streets and we have to be considerate. We, we as a country, and let's face it, our drivers are not considerate. We have, if you slow down, if you drive the speed limit, you're going to have somebody overtake you down the middle lane or well, something. Well, the police overtook me yesterday without their lights flashing going at 55. <laughs> the actual, uh, the, the, um, the thing went off, which is a speed camera. Oh boy. Yeah. So there you go. Um, but so what we're doing, I just want to get to some solutions yeah. rather than, than having a, a, a a complaint session. <laughs> um, so we'll be rolling out in a couple of weeks. We're doing a when we, we were doing last year or earlier this year, we were doing some town hall meetings in the eastern districts on traffic. Um, and a lot of the, in particular, a lot of the elderly said, "I love to take public transport. Yep. Um, I get to talk to people, I meet people, but when I get to Georgetown and I have to go from Elgin Avenue from one of the banks to the middle of town to Mary Street to go to, to one of the telephone companies. I am absolutely drenched mm-hmm. in sweat. I am exhausted. I've forgotten half the things I needed to do. Um, so it's, it's just hard. So we are in the process of designing a pilot program with a hop-on, hop-off around town. We should hear a lot more about that in the next couple of weeks, and, and we hope to launch it within sometime next month. But we've identified already a park-and-ride um, uh, location where you can either park your bicycle, park your car, and then you can take the hop-on, hop-off service around Georgetown, um, hitting all of the key points between the banks, the, pub- the government offices, um, the, the public bus stop, uh, telecom companies. So we have a very strategic route developed initially. Would that right? involve sort of pedestrianizing parts of Georgetown then? Well, later on, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we do not provide adequate parking and ability to move around town, we can't start yeah. pedestrianizing. But we do have plans under the Georgetown Revitalization Initiative to do so. But this is a pilot program, and we'll be using the ideas to use some of the current tour buses, the coasters, so to give them a bit of business mm-hmm. while we wait on tourism to reopen and we'll run a pilot program. We are at the moment developing and doing the research to develop RFPs for electric buses that will eventually replace them once tourism reopens, um, that we will operate uh, under the uh, sponsored under the auspices of, of the um, national energy policy. They hop on hop off service around town. We're also looking at the possibility of using some of the larger tour buses to run a pilot program on a direct bus route from the eastern districts. So perhaps three stops on the way into town, but it's straight into town. And, and we feel that this Learning way, a little bit, say, what Bermuda has with those pink, those very cute pink buses that they have, yeah. where they run on a very fixed schedule for exactly. 18 hours a day type of thing. Exactly. And this we, we feel that this will complement the omnibus, the, the minibus mm-hmm. drivers, because you... If someone is, I mean, you you know, one of the issues is, is supply and demand again. It's very hard. And I know that the public transport unit are working on some technology initiatives to help them as well. But you, you may have to take your, your public transport, your omnibus from um, the middle of East End somewhere to wherever the, the, the bus uh, terminal will be. Um, in Frank Sound, for instance, and then you take the bus straight into town. So you may have to so, take a five-minute car cycle get on your bus and then get all the way into georgetown exactly I mean, yeah. presumably that would also if we can run that later in the evening that would take away quite a lot of this drink driving problem came i out. think yeah i think initially we our focus is going and like i said this will be a pilot program so we want to get people into town when you get to the hop on hop off terminal then you take the hop on hop off bus around town and back up so initially we want to address the the issues with the um 
with the the morning traffic and the evening traffic and reducing the amount of vehicles on the road. That's that's the first focus. And then and you're absolutely right. Finding um, uh, efficient, reliable, and affordable solutions for people moving up and down um, uh, throughout the island uh, will help alleviate uh, cars on the road as traffic starts to get later and later in the evenings now, as well as as the issue with persons drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are these are all the efforts that we're, we're focusing on. We may get to the point where the the hop on hop off may uh, extend down to Seven Mile Beach. It may extend into f- other sides of Georgetown, but at the moment we're going to focus on moving people around the town. Um, and I just you know in Georgetown revitalization, a lot of work has been happening. Um, it may not be physical. You see uh, Hero Square was redeveloped, mm-hmm. phase one, and we have another phase coming. You see some changes in the streets, a little bit of designs in the streets. But we're working on the, the technical designs are all finished now. We're working with the power company, um, CUC, on lighting all of our walkways and all our, our little connectors and so on. So, so making improving town, general in, safety. Improving general yeah. safety. And then we will start some some redesigns of our streets and to make them more pedestrian friendly, to make it more welcoming. But we see a lot of development in Georgetown. We have gyms coming, we have coffee shops opening. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of large real estate transactions have taken place over the last couple of months. And we have a lot of eager private sector individuals willing to to, to help us develop well, the that's, town. That's almost an entirely new show we could do about just Georgetown specifically. We are almost out of time. I'm going to ask you one question, which is almost hopefully a yes or no answer. Do you see a path where we might imp- increase duty on cars in order to make them less attractive to people? Or is that not on your agenda? I don't, I don't want to take the thunder from Councillor Harris, who has been working very hard mm-hmm. um, with his committee on this We we are just about finalizing in cabinet some recommendations on the control and restrictions and on the importation of vehicles and on other um, initiatives to help reduce the so congestion watch on the, the space. roads. So watch the space. Okay, yes. well, we, we, we will eagerly do so. Almost breaking news. We didn't quite tease it out of you there, but thank you very Perhaps much. Perhaps you can get Councillor Harris on once he has I, a cabinet approval. I, and I would be delighted. I will definitely make contact with Councillor Harris. We are, as always, unfortunately, out of time before we've got even through barely two or three of the <laughs> topics that we thought we'd go and um, discuss. So I'd like to thank you again, Minister Hugh, for joining us this morning. It's been a real pleasure having you. Thank you for having me, Simon, and uh, wish everybody good morning, and please uh, exercise patience on the road, and uh, be safe, and have a good weekend when it comes. Absolutely. As a final note, as always, before we leave, just want to remind you, today's show will be available as a podcast on the CFA Society Cayman Islands webpage, and encourage you, if you have a question, feedback, or anything else you want to tell us, email us at moneysense at candw.ky, or tweet us at moneysenseradio. With that, thank you once again. Goodbye, and do please tune in in two weeks' time.